have to show clips from Vikings games more often. You guys are some of the most invested in the service already. This is awesome. Beats any joke or starter than any pastor could ever give to you. I, uh, I enjoyed the game, and as you notice, purple and gold. Again, I, I'm not a big believer in uh, those kinds of things. I know some, and, and so I'm doing this for a lot of you that are. Um, <laughs> Because I know some of you are. I was talking to somebody yesterday who, who, who was like, you know what, Pastor Brian, I, I, I missed church last week and the Vikings won. And uh, so you probably won't see me tomorrow. And I was like, man, you might have just, you know, dilly dilly, the Vikes are in Philly. You might have just turned it into the, the pain, the den of misery here or something, the pit of misery. Uh, and then somebody else was telling me about all of the different things that they have. And I, I'm not a big fan of that. But... Um, but I just didn't want to take a chance either. So anyway, um, <laughs> I don't want to be the blame. But, but I don't know if anybody's ever seen anything like this or not. This is put out by the, uh, it's called profootballreference.com, and it's a win probability chart. It's not actually Pastor Brian's heart rate during the game, uh, although it kind of looks like that because <laughs> it was a lot like that. But basically what this is, and it's, I've seen these before, but I never really paid a lot of attention to it until this weekend. And, and um, uh, the Vikings were a little bit of a favorite going into the game, and so that's why you see their win probability was a little bit over 50% at the beginning. And you notice how, you know, during the first quarter, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's trending upward, it's trending in the right direction. And then uh, into the second quarter, they're ahead 17 to nothing, a little bit of a dip where they missed the field goal. Halftime, I mean, it's like off the chart. It's just like there's, there's almost 100% chance of the Vikings winning. Now, I'll just be really, 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 really honest with you. First of all, I, I'm a sports fan. Uh, you know, I'm not a I'm kind of a homer when it comes to the Twins, meaning I really, really like the Twins. I'm a, I'm a Vikings fan, want them to do well, but I'm very much accustomed to heartbreak when it comes to Minnesota sports. And those of you that pay attention know what I'm talking about. It's either the Yankees for the Twins, it's some goofy play for the Vikings, whether it's a missed kick or a whatever. I mean, there's just a gazillion things. And so I never had that much confidence at the beginning. And then as we get into the th end of the third quarter, you know, the, the Saints scored a touchdown and then, you know, and then it's up and down and it's back and forth. And then you got to the last, you know, half of the game where now the Vikings are behind. And, and uh, um, I'm just telling you right now, and I, I'm embarrassed a bit to admit this, but um, I will tell you anyway, uh, because I know I'm not alone in this. Um, I, when, when the Vikings were behind and it was about three minutes left or whatever it was, and then they kicked the field goal and it's yes, and then it's like, man, they gave Drew Brees too much time. He's coming down the field. They kick a field goal. It's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are we going to lose like this again? And, and I don't know why this is in me like it is. And, and as I said, I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit it. But I, I felt like an 11-year-old kid when I, I was about 11 or 12 when the Vikings played the Kansas City Chiefs. They are big favorites to, to, to win and, and all of that stuff. And they lost the game. And I remember, as a, as a, whatever it was, 11 or 12 years old, I remember walking through the kitchen to the back door. I opened up the door. I stuck my head out and great big crocodile tears were rolling down my cheek. I'm, a, I'm an 11 year old kid. It's like, why? I don't know why, but I can't help it. And so I was in that moment. I'm sitting on the chair, man. I could feel it. It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tear ball here in a minute. I really, really am. I, I, I just like, and I said to Shelly, I said, I can't believe this. They're stinking. Gonna lose. The, the only way that they can win this game is if they get a touchdown. And, 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 and Shelly, the whole time, she's like, they got to throw Hail Mary. They got to throw. I'm like, I, I'm the smart one. No, 
they got to get out of bounds. They need to get out of bounds so they can get the field goal kind of a thing. And then the realization, they can't do it. You know, well, then sure enough, the play ends and you saw the end result. And because everything is better with Titanic music, you know, we just threw that, <laughs> that we found the one with that in there. So anyway, it's just way better. And, and so my point this morning in, in bringing all this up, and actually, and I don't know if you knew this or not, or if you heard this or not, but this was a real thing. People who wear Apple watches in particular, their Apple watches were going off saying, you might need to seek medical attention because we think, <laughs> honestly, that people's watches were going off saying, seek immediate physical or seek immediate medical attention because you're having a heart attack. <laughs> now, like I said, and I'm not kidding, that's kind of how my heart rate was, that's how my emotion level was, I was up and I was down, and at the end, we're both jumping up, yeah! It's like, I was stupid. But it's like awesome, you know, kind of a thing. Now, if you're a guest this morning or, you know, regular attender even, we don't talk sports a lot on Sunday morning. We're at church. We talk about God and we talk about Jesus. And we're going to, th- this will become more relevant to you in just a few moments. But we're doing a series that we're calling One. And um, we're asking this question because it's a very simple question that, that most of the time gets asked at the beginning of the year. And my question simply as we started this series was, how many of you want a great 2018? And, and, and I think that, first of all, most of you want a great 2018, which obviously is better than an awful 2018. And so we're asking that question. And I really believe that you should want a great 2018, particularly if you're a follower of Christ. Because the Bible says that we go from glory to glory. We go from faith to faith, that we're always to uh, abound with blessing. And, and, and so God wants to do some great things in our life. But the follow-up to that question is, is more important, I think. And the follow-up is, is, is not only do we want to have a great 2018, but what would that look like? What would it look like if you could fast forward to December 31st, 2018, and you're, you're reflecting on the year? What would be the thing that would be different? And it's, it's different for everybody. For some of you, you might say, well, I can finally completed that project, or I finally read through the Bible in a year, or I lost those 20 pounds, or I got out of debt, or, or you know, it may be a relation thing. And, and, and so you've reached the end of 2018. What would it look like if you could truly say that 2018 was a great year? Because if you don't have that picture if you're not sure what the goal is or what the end result is, in fact, like you know, somebody said, if you don't know the destination, if, if, you, if you're not sure where you're going, any road is going to get you there. If you don't have a goal, a destination in mind, all paths will lead you to that because there's nothing defined. But once you say, you know what, at the end of this year, I'm going to kick that habit. At the end of this year, I'm going to get out of debt. If you have that goal, now you, you have something to work with. You've got a path to work towards. So I want to put that chart back up there, the probability chart, because I thought, what if there was a win probability chart for our lives? Or what if this sort of charted our life? And, and, you know, we start out a little above 50%, and let's just say that, you know, all things being equal, I know that this is not the family experience for everybody, but if you're a part of a family, you're a child, and, you know, mom and dad are taking care of you, things are going good, and, 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 and you're tracking and trending, you're going to school, and a lot of stuff's already taken care of for you, and, and, and you know, we're just sort of following following everybody else's path and telling, doing what we're told to do. And then, you know, I, I kind of look at from the end of the second quarter into the end of the third quarter or middle of the third quarter towards the end. I mean, it's, it's high. That's high. And, and to me, that's kind of like the teenage years from about 15 into the early 20s. Because how many of you know, if you were ever a teenager, you had all the answers? 
right? I mean, you knew. I mean, you got this thing by the short hairs. It's easy. There's not going to be any problems at all. I I got this. And then, you know, you get towards the end of your high school life and you go steady, which is generally one of the most unsteady times of a person's life. And it's sort of up and down. And then, you know, you find the one and you get married and then you have kids and you have, you know, and life is going good. And then you get, you know, the plant closes and all the different things that go on. And then you reach towards the end. Now, I don't want to paint a picture of gloom and doom for anybody this morning. That's not my intention. That's not my, my, my heart at all. But I want to alert you to something that I think you already all know, and that is in the eventuality of life, you are going to have some problems. Amen? You don't have to believe for it. You don't have to pray for it. You don't have to agree with me. But here's the thing. I think all of us know that we're going to have a storm in life, where there's going to be some obstacle or a mountain in our life. There's something that is difficult. And, and for those of us that are sort of on the other, uh, we're on the back nine of life, we've lived through some of those moments where, man, we had, we had life going, and it was awesome. And then, you know, different things came, whether it's health issues, financial issues, relational issues, different things happen in different ways to different people. And we just know that it's common to life. And I think sometimes that in Christian circles, we have the idea that if we're a follower of Christ, if we know the word of God, if we believe God, that we'll never encounter a problem. And I'm here to alert you to something you already know, and that is that you will have trouble and problems in life. There just is, it is just common to life. But there's good news in that. And the good news is that God said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. He's here with us in those. I think that people think that faith is going to keep them from the problems. I've said this before, faith is not designed to make your life easy. Faith is designed to make the impossible situations of life possible. Faith is designed to carry you through those moments where you don't think you can, to carry you through those moments where you want to quit and give up, Faith is designed to bring you through that. The Bible tells us that the just will live by faith. The just will live by faith. How many of you live every day? Right? We do, right? Well, somebody said one time, the problem with daily life is that it's every day. And every day, Jesus said, you know, he talked about... um, you know, daily bread, to give us his day, our daily bread, that every day, every day, every, every say every day, you have to show up for life every day. Woo! And that's what makes it hard because there's, there's routine, there's mundane, and, and, and there's issues, and there's stuff, and, and every single day, but God's got faith, God's got strength, God's got power for you every single day. And so the daily life, and so we're doing this series that we're calling One, and giving you some priorities for life, but not in a typical way that you might think of of what's priority or what's important. And really what we're talking about in this series of of one is really the issue of the heart. And and this is an important issue. And really the first thing that we we talked about was that God, and this is a little bit hard to see, but, but God wants to be number one. He wants to be number one in your life. And we've been using the illustration of a shirt and buttoning a shirt. And, and, and I've, I've used this before, but it, it's, it's, for me, uh, uh, one of the easiest ways to present a truth to you. Because we've all buttoned a shirt before, and chances are we have all buttoned a shirt the wrong way. How many of you have ever done that? You button a shirt the wrong way, and, and you start wrong, and if you start wrong you end up wrong. And you get to the end of buttoning your shirt and, and 
you know, you either have an extra button or an extra, extra hole, and it's like, what happened? And you realize you got to undo, go back, and then you got to do it again. Well, that, that's inconvenient when it's a shirt, but a same principle holds true. If you get this first step of life, this first priority of life right, chances are the second one's going to be right. If you're wrong in this first one, nothing from that point on can ever be right because you started wrong. And so putting God number one in your life, and, 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 and so we've been saying, what if this row of buttons is your life? This is the beginning and the end of your life. And, and it's one thing if you start out maybe, and if each one of these buttons maybe five or 10 years, or maybe it's a, a way of life, a path of life, why would we want to spend five or 10 years going the wrong direction only to realize that when we get to the end that we've been going the wrong way? And so this battle for number one is one of the most difficult battles, and, and it's an ongoing battle. It is a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week, 365 days out of the year battle that we must fight. And so this theme text that we've been using from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, trust in the Lord. Put your faith in, your confidence in. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All your heart. With all your heart, in all your ways, not your church ways, not your spiritual ways, not your Christian ways, but in all of your ways, in your time ways, in your career ways, in your hobby ways, in your habit ways, in your educational ways, in every way of your life, acknowledge him. And there's a promise that is attached to that. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. There is a promise that God says, I'm going to get involved in your life. If you acknowledge me, the living Bible says it like this, in everything that you do, put God first, in everything. Now, you know, a lot of you good Christian people, good church people, oh yes, Pastor Brian, amen, that's right, I put God first, in everything, in everything. But he says, put God first and he will, again, the promise, he will crown, he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. How many of you want to have a great 2018? It starts with putting God first. And this is a heart battle. And, and, and the reason for the symbol of the heart is, is simply this is a battle for the heart. But really to, to trust in the Lord, what that really, really means when I trust in the Lord, it means this. It means to believe, I think it means this. It means to believe that God's smarter than I am, smarter than I am in everything. God is smarter than I am in everything. He is smarter than I am financially. He's smarter than I am in my time. He's smarter than I am in my hobbies. We have a tendency to default towards the things that we can't control. The areas of my life that I can't control, those are the areas that I tend to acknowledge the Lord in. But the areas that I can control and the areas that I maybe have some personal confidence because of ability or because of education or because of things other people have said, those are areas that are more difficult for me to acknowledge the Lord in. Because I have some expertise. I have some knowledge. I have some ability. I have a track record. And so when the wisest person in the world says, and, and again, like I've said, if, if there was anybody that could trust in his own ability, it would be uh, Solomon. In his own, he was the wisest man. And yet he's the one who says, you know what? I don't trust my own knowledge. I don't trust my own wisdom. I don't trust my own ability. In all of my ways, I acknowledge him. And so this is a hard issue because the, the, the opposite of, of, of wisdom, the opposite of knowledge, the opposite of trusting in the Lord is to trust in me. And this is an issue of pride. Pride says, I can go my own way. Pride says, I can make my own way. Pride says, I know better. 
I'm, I'm smarter. And that's a hard issue. And so in this battle for the heart, if you will, this battle that goes on, and, and we talked a little bit about it last week, where Jesus said, take no thought saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to put on? Those kinds of things. And, and there's a battle that happens on the inside of us. This battle for the supremacy of our heart, the supremacy of our life, the number one position in our heart and life, and it shows up as worry. It shows up as anxiety. It shows up as fear. And sometimes that, that pressure of life of am I going to trust God or am I going to trust myself? Do I trust that God knows what I need or do I figure I, I'm, I'm on my own and I have to do it myself? And so this battle for your heart, and again, it's not a one-time battle. It's not a one-time victory. This is every day. Every single day, there will be moments that will arise in your life that you're going to have to ask the question, do I trust God? Do I trust God or do I trust myself? And it's easy for us to think, well, you know, I trust God. Well, do we? And, and that's kind of we're, we're sort of the question that we're, we're asking here. But this battle for your heart is one of the most difficult battles that you're going to fight, but it's one of the most important for you to fight, and not only just fight, but to win, and, and, and here's why. In Proverbs chapter 4, it says that we're to guard our heart. We are to protect our heart. Guard your heart because out of it, for it determines the course of your life. Your heart, the, your heart determines the course, what you believe and down on the inside. That's where beliefs are formed. They're formed on the inside of you. I said it to you like this, that, that beliefs are formed in our heart. Go ahead. Beliefs are formed in our heart. God wants you to know that because it says what we believe will determine our direction and our direction will determine our future. What you believe in your heart will determine your direction. It will orient you and ultimately the direction that you are going in your life will determine the destination of your life. The direction of your heart, the believing of your heart at the beginning will determine where you end up at the end. And why spend five or 10 or 15 years going the wrong direction only to realize that we've got to turn around and go back? Or we've got to undo some things unscramble some eggs because we spent part of our life going the wrong direction. And so this is a battle for the control of the direction and the heart of our life. You know, I've said it to you like this, that you'll always act like the person that you believe yourself to be. And so one of the things that we said last week was you need to be careful what you, and it's a little brain, but, but uh, uh, very little brain, and, uh, and a, a little cartoon speech bubble, you need to be careful about it. Make it a priority in 2018 to control what you think about and talk about. To control what you think about and what you talk about. The Apostle Paul said we're to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, that you have the knowledge of God and he'll speak things and say things. His word will say things to us. But then there's life and there's experience. There's those places that we think we're pretty smart and they're contrary. And at that point and at that time, we need to take those thoughts captive. And the Bible says, cast those down. That God has given us strong, powerful weapons so we can do that. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 that, that if there's something that is praiseworthy, if, if there's life in it, if there's, if there's edification in it, think on the things. As I said, you will always act like the person you believe yourself to be. Your belief, 
Your heart determines what you believe. Your beliefs determine your direction. Your direction determines your destination. But it all starts with believing. Really, it all starts with believing what God has said about you. God says you're more than a conqueror. What does life say about you? What's your experience? Because there's a lot of people who believe that they're losers. My granddaddy was a loser. My daddy was a loser. I guess I'm just a loser too. It never works out right for me. It just seems like all the time, and it's always been this way for all of my family. Or I'm just a fearful person. I've always been afraid. I've always been full of anxiety. Or, or, Or whatever it might be, what you believe about yourself is what will happen. And what God is saying is, I want to change what you believe about you. I want you to hear what I say about you because I say you're more than a conqueror. I say you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed. You were a loser, but you're not anymore because now you're a child of God. And I'm so excited about the next series that we're going to do. We're calling it Because. Let me say because. How many of you as a child had your parents tell you that, say that word to you? And you hated it. Why? Because you knew it carried weight, you knew it carried authority, and you would say, well, why? I don't understand. You say, because I, there are some things that God said about you that need to carry weight in your life, and it's no different than God, he, just because God said, because you are, you are. And so you'll always act like the person that you believe yourself to be. Now, as we've kind of worked through these couple of things I want to sort of take another step, and here's, I want to re-preach what I've already, like I've said to you, this is one message that's divided into four weeks, and I, I get into this, and I, the farther we get in a series, I want to repeat everything that I said, and I can't do that. I would encourage you, go to greatjoy.org, uh, look at the media page, you can, uh, you know, click on, you can get in the messages, the sermons, that kind of a thing, and, and listen to the message again. I would encourage that uh, uh, for you to do that, because that would be something that would be helpful, catch you up. Um, and and there will be things that you need to hear again, uh, I think, as well. And so, um, you know, the website can help you in a lot of different things. But I want to take this a step farther uh, this morning and get into something that, that starts to sort of change the direction of this week and next week as well. And, and, and that's simply this. We, in fact, how many of you have ever heard in a church setting, in a church, that God offers you a new life or a new way? Some of you have heard, you know, God offers you a new way of living that, well, There's truth to that, but really God's not offering you a new way as in something that didn't exist before. He's really, his new way was really his original way. There is a way that God has for us. Actually, God is the author of life. He is the the one who's created uh, our he, uh, there's principles, I'll say it that way. There's, there's spirit, well, there's, there's natural laws, natural principles, the law of gravity, things like that. But there are spiritual principles and spiritual laws. He's created those things. He's aware of those things. God is the author of life, knows how to live life on planet earth. Because he's smarter than you are, he's smarter than I am. And so he has a way that he knows will be beneficial to us, and he's asking us to submit our way to his way. He's asking us to change the priorities of our life and reorganize our life around the things that he says to do. Now, for many people, this is where we want to get off the bus. This is where we kind of want to jump ship because, you know... We like church and we like being around people of faith and we get encouraged by the messages. We like the kumbaya feeling that we get when we're all singing together. But, but leave the rest of my life alone. 
I don't know, is it worth the pain and the effort and the difficulty of, of reorganizing my finances or my, my time or my ha- hobbies? Is it worth the investment of that to reprioritize my life around the things that God says? God is offering you a new way, but for many, our present way is really not that bad. If we're really, really honest, I, I've shared with you some of my testimony. To be totally honest with you, I was at a season in my life as a, as a young man where my life was pretty uncomplicated. It was pretty easy, and I was just doing what I wanted to do, and frankly, I liked it. I really did. And like I said, I didn't, get say, I didn't make Jesus the Lord of my life to be a better person. I didn't make Jesus the Lord of my life to to, to fulfill some calling. I made Jesus the Lord of my life because I did not want to go to hell and burn for eternity. I'm serious. I'm serious. The whole reason I got, it was totally selfishly motivated. It was all about me, and that's where a lot of us start. But, and and Christianity, to be totally honest with you, it complicated. It made my life far more difficult if I could be totally honest with you, because now I was accountable to God and I was accountable to his way. And a lot of people, that's where we start to kind of push it back. And it's like, I don't know that I want to do all of this stuff. I, I like some of it, but I don't know that I want to do all of this. And, and, and sometimes the way that it has come across in church world is that, all right, here's things that God has said that you're supposed to do. And if you don't do those things, you're a sinner and, and, and you're no good. Now, there are things that God says to do, and if we don't do the things God says to do, then that is called sin. Now, I, I, but here's the thing. I think that people think that God's ways, and sometimes the way it is communicated to us, is that God wants us to go his way, and if he doesn't want us to go, if we don't go his way, he's got some lightning bolts for us. If we don't go his way, he's got a way of breaking our leg or breaking our arm or making us sick or doing something so that ultimately we come back around to him. I want to present something a little bit differently because I don't think that that's the character of God. And if that is your thought, that little graphic that we showed with the ups and downs of life that are common to everybody, they're eventual in everybody's life, those little ups and downs of life you might think, are God getting back at you or God getting even with you? But if we can turn that just a little bit, because this is going his way, prioritizing our life around the things that he says to do. Going his way is not a mean God, an angry God, an upset God. It is a loving heavenly father. And and, and if you're not convinced of this one simple truth, In Romans uh, chapter five and verse eight, it says, God demonstrates his love towards us. He demonstrated his love and he demonstrated it in the most powerful and graphic way that he could demonstrate how much he loves us. God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet, what? While we were what? While we were unlovely, while there was nothing good in us at all, so many people think, well, you know, I've got to try harder. I've got to be better. I need to be gooder, and then God is going to bless me. No, God loved you while there was nothing lovely in you. He loved you when there was nothing, there was nothing to love. God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
This is not an angry God, a mean God, a mad God who says, walk in my way or else. This is a loving heavenly father who bends his knee, looks you in the eye and says, I love you and I care about you and you have to believe that I have your best interest at heart and I know how life works because I'm the author of life. And if you'll just follow my ways, follow my principles, do what I say, your life will turn out better for you. It is a similar offer to the offer that he's making to us. It was an offer that he made to the people of Israel. Here they were a slave nation in the land of Egypt. They didn't have anything that that was their own. They never wondered what they were going to do with their spare time because they had no spare time. They knew that their life for generation after generation was going to be making bricks and building buildings for the Egyptians. There would be no vacation. There would be no time off. There would be no uh, fun at all because they were slaves. God said, I want to do something about that. And he rose up a leader by the name of Moses who went to the, uh, you know, Moses' story is a long story. And he ends up in Egypt and he tells Pharaoh, let, you know, I'm here from God. God says, let my people go. There's a, there's, they're, they're knocking heads and they're pushing back and forth. And finally, God delivers his slave nation and, and they leave Egyptian captivity. And God brings them through the Red Sea, brings them through the desert and, and, and through the wilderness. He gives them a cloud of, uh, a cloud by day and a fire by night and he's feeding them and he's giving them water, and he's doing all kinds of different things. Notice what God didn't do. God didn't show up while Israel was a slave nation and say, all right, Israel, I'm God. Here's 10 things that I want you to do. Do these 10 things. Make me happy, and then I'll bring you out of Egyptian captivity. He didn't do that. He demonstrated his care, his love, and his power when he brought them out of Egypt, brought them, brought them across the Red Sea, brought them through the desert. And then when he was finally ready, when they were ready to enter into the land of promise, the land that flowed with milk and honey, then God said, guess what? When you get into this land, you're gonna need to think differently because this is your land now. You're no longer a slave. You're not a slave nation anymore. You're gonna need to think differently. You're gonna need to talk differently. You're gonna need to act differently because I'm bringing you into something that you've never been in before. And so you've gotta have a total overhaul and change of your thought life. Here, here's 10 things that are so important to that. And that's far different than God just showing up. And this is a relational concept, a relational idea that sometimes we miss. And so God makes an offer to you and and to me. He said, there's some things I want to bring you into. But for me to bring you into these things, you're going to have to think differently. You have to talk differently. You're going to have to act differently. Not because he's a mean God, but because he's a loving father who knows the best way to be successful in the world and life that he created. And so Jesus shows up with a similar message and a similar message. concept, mindset, whatever, and, and, and he's, he's preaching a message that, that we know as the Sermon on the Mount, and some people say it's the Sermon on the Mount, and there's a similar, there is a little bit of price to pay in that, but, but the Sermon on the Mount, and it's, it's in the book of Matthew chapter 7, and, and, and uh, I would encourage you this afternoon before the Vikings game, uh, you know, read through the Sermon on the Mount, because there's one portion of it that, it's really just, it's in fact the longest recorded message sermon that, that Jesus preached. He might have preached longer, but, but it's the longest recorded one that we have. And, and in that, he's covering some things that, that really are about this we would say a new way of life, but it's really the original way of life. It's really the way that God intended for us to live life. And so he's telling the people, you should 
prioritize your life around these things. And the things that he talks about, he, he gets into things like, uh, uh, you know, you're going to have to forgive one another. And they're like, ooh, really? How many times? Well, not just once, seven times. It, so, you know, I mean, you're going to have to forgive one another. And they don't judge one another. In fact, if you judge, it's going to come back on you. And he gets into some things about generosity. You know, if you see somebody that has need, go ahead, help them out. If, you, if somebody asks you to walk with them a mile, walk with them two miles. Go over and above, go beyond. And then he gets into some other things, like the big one. You know, if you look at a woman uh, with lust in your heart, it's like you've already committed adultery with her. And they're like, whoa, wait a minute, you mean adultery is sin, right? And he goes, well, yeah, that too. But if you just look at a woman, it's sin. And they're like, man, Jesus, this is... Whew, this is a little bit hard. This is a little more difficult than what I, what I thought that it was going to be. And so he works through all of those things, and he's really getting down into the nitty-gritty of life. He's really getting down into the things of, of, of these are things that will trip you up. These are things that are going to hurt you because it's contrary to the principles that I've already put in or that God has already put in place in the earth. And then we get to the very end of, of his message, and it's a familiar piece of scripture, I guess, but let's just kind of work through it because he begins the, miracle, he begins the, the, the winding down part of his message and, and the closing part. And really <clears throat> what he's saying, Jesus is saying, if you conform every part of your life to my ways, your life's going to be better. It's really what he's saying. In verse 24 of Matthew chapter 7, he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, everybody say does them. Whoever hears and does. And, and I think Jesus is saying something similar to what he might be saying to us is that I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're showing up and I'm glad you're a part and I'm glad you're listening. I, I, I appreciate that, but there's more than just listening. There's more than just showing up. You need to do something with what you're hearing. Again, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. Really what Jesus was saying, if you leave here today and you just do what I've told you to do, you are smart. Now, if we just lift this out of the Sunday morning context, if we just lift this out of the church experience context and, and, and somebody came up to you and said, you know what, if you just do these things, you're a really smart person. Our reaction probably would be, oh, so if I don't do it, I'm stupid? Really? If I don't do that, you're saying you're smarter than I am? That would be our reaction, chances are. And so probably there were people in the crowd that might have had a similar reaction to what Jesus was saying. He'd just given them a laundry list of things. These are things that you should do. You should put these into practice in your life. And if you do them, you're really, really smart. And you know, he is so arrogant. Who does he think he is? The son of God. But they didn't probably recognize him or know him as the son of God yet at this point. And then he says this, if you do this, if you hear what I say, put it into practice, you're like a wise man. You're like a wise man who built his house on a rock, which they're all thinking, well, yeah, that's what everybody does. They build on something solid. And he said, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on a rock, and the people with one, all, with one accord said, duh, Jesus, that's why we build on a rock, because eventually a storm is going to come, and if we're not built on a solid, if our house is not built on a solid foundation, it will destroy everything that we're trying to build, and Jesus said, exactly. This is common sense, but it's uncommon. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, if you hear what I say, put it into practice, 
You are like the person who builds the house on the rock so that when the eventuality of life, the storms, the troubles, and the trials happen, what you're building won't be destroyed, but it will stand. Notice it didn't say you won't have storms. It just says that when the storm comes, you'll still be standing at the end of it. Faith is not designed to make your life easy. Faith is designed to make the impossible situations of life possible. And there will be seasons and times and moments in life that just getting through that moment and that time and that season will be a victory. Because there are some people who don't make it through those moments and times. They're shipwrecked, they're derailed, they quit and they give up. He goes on and he says, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And people say, well, that's stupid. Nobody would build on the sand. We can already know what's going to happen to that house. If we build on the sand and a storm comes, it's going to get destroyed. And that's what Jesus said. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Here's the thing. You're going to have storms in life. There's going to be things that will try to push you off of course. And, and again, if you could map out, if you could visualize, if you could say 2018 will be a great year because of. I guarantee you that there will be moments and times, there will be things that will happen that will try to pull or push or drive you off of that course. That's why 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, you need to work to keep him number one because he's smarter than you are. And you're going to have to work every single day to control what you think about and what you talk about. Because eventually those things that you think about and talk about will find their way into your heart or be a reflection of what's already in your heart. And that will begin to determine your direction and your direction will begin to determine your destination. This is powerful stuff. And so the eventualities of life... <laughs> are really this, you're gonna encounter some difficulties. And the question, whether you're standing or not, will be determined on what you do right now. And so as a priority for 2018, what I would tell to you, what I would say to you is simply this, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, keep God number one control what you think about and what you talk about every single day. Because this Christian life is a daily life. Not just Sunday to Sunday. Not just crisis to crisis. It's a daily life. You know, let me just... <laughs> Jesus showed up to a group of people and said, I'm glad that you're following. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad for that. But... The thing that will make all the practical difference in your world and in your life is if you actually do the things I'm talking about. If you actually love one another, if you actually forgive one another, if you're actually generous towards one another or when you see a need, you meet that. If you'll do those things, you're gonna be blessed and you're smart, you're wise to build those things into your life. And, and, and if I could just encourage you in one thing, I guess I'm encouraging you in three one things. Now here's a fourth one thing. But, but it's the reason we do small groups. A brother, the Bible says, is born for adversity. 
Iron will sharpen iron. And there's going to be seasons and moments like that chart, like that graph, that you're going to need to be encouraged because life's not going to be kind to you. And life, that's the thing we know about daily life. Life is tough on us. Life is tough on life. It is tough on marriage. It's tough on relationships. Tough on finances. It's just tough. It's hard. And we need that encouragement, that love, and that support that we get from one another. Maybe you've been listening this morning, and, and for some of you, this is a confirmation. It's like, man, life has been tough, but... I want to, I'm going to stay on the same, I'm going to stay the course, follow God. And for others of you, it's like a warning. It's like, man, I, I know this stuff, but, but I haven't been doing it. I, I've been sort of just cruising through life and cruising through Christianity. And I, I, there's areas that I know I need to build up and be strong in. And, and for others of you, it, it may just bring up even more questions. But I want you to see something this morning. God's not asking you to reprioritize your life around his things because he's trying to be mean or he's upset and angry. God is not a lightning bolt God waiting for you to get out of line so he can just zap you. That's, if that were the case, we'd have all been zapped a long time ago. There would be nothing but little piles of ashes sitting on chairs here this morning because we've all missed it. This is not an arrogant God. This is a God who's getting down on a knee eye to eye to you and to me and he's saying, please, I know how life works. I know what the temptations are. I know how hard it is. But if you'll take the time to find out what I say, if you'll take the time to make it a part of your life, you will find maybe not in a day, maybe not in a week, maybe not even in a month or a year, but you will find that in the moments and seasons of life, when you reach the end, you can look back and say, you know what? It's worth it. You know what? God's smarter than I am. And this isn't a, you know, God loves you more or less. He's already settled the love issue. He loves you. He, he demonstrated it in the most powerful, powerful way. He already loves you. And, and, and in 1 John chapter 4, I'll close with this scripture, and we'll pray here in a moment. In, in John chapter, 1 John chapter 4, we have known and, there was a and. We've known and believed. A lot of us know about the love of God, but how much do we believe it? Oh, we know that God is love, but do we believe that he loves us? Because the depth of the degree that you know and believe the love that God has towards you, God's not asking you to do these things because he's trying to be mean and hard. He's asking you to do those things because he loves you. And he knows that doing these things, making priorities around his things, will bring joy and, and, and health and life into your life and you'll reach the end. Not that it's easier, but you'll reach the end looking back saying, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. We've known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. He who abides in love abides in God and God in him. This is a relationship. This is a relationship that God wants to have with you. He wants to have with me. And so would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning and let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, again, I thank you for the men and women that are in this room, in this place this morning. And Father, I thank you that for some, it's been an encouragement that we've been going the, the right way and it doesn't seem like it's worth it. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you bring encouragement into hearts and lives this morning. For others, it might be sort of a warning that, that, that we've kind of let things slip and, and, and we've let other priorities, let other 
other things step in. But Father, I thank you this morning that, that you're bringing us closer to you. And it's not because you're mean and hard, but it's because you love us. Thank you for the great love that you have and demonstrated for us. And so with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never made him the Lord of your life and you would like to today, would you just slip up your hand? That is the first step. It is surrendering your way to his way. Would you just hold your hand and say, Pastor, I, I want it. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Anyone else this morning? I know, I, I'm, I'm telling you, and I don't want to, I mean, I'm going to say something and I want you to think you're the only one, but I see a lot of people wiping tears out of their eyes. And that's because I know that God's doing something this morning. And he loves you so much. And maybe this is the first time that you've, <laughs> ah, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we surrender our heart and our life and our way to you this morning. Father, we believe that Jesus died for us, that he rose again. And I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You know, if you prayed that prayer, if you signified, yeah, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life, uh, Girl Track's a great way, a great place for you to start in. We have small groups, an essential small group to, to find out more about God. Please take those steps. Take those steps. Take those steps. Amen. 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 Well, give Jesus a praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And if I could just say to you this morning, go Vikings! <laughs>